0: Welcome inside the vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight figure entrepreneurial mastermind Arjun Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. This week's lesson comes from April 2018 when Arjun was teaching a lesson for his members around the importance of peace of mind. He explains why entrepreneurs function at a much higher level when they're in this state. And he explains why building your business around systems and processes is the key to maintaining the peace of mind you need to be an effective leader. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjun, I try to take it and be a spunk. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. peace of mind. We all want peace of mind? Is there anyone who doesn't want peace of mind? Liars. You're liars. Some of you desperately don't want peace of mind. Some of you do everything you can to avoid having peace of mind, don't you? Yes, you do, right? You go after shiny objects. You mess up your business so that you can have something exciting to do. You know what you've got to do, and what you've got to do isn't that sexy, and it's not that exciting, and it's a little bit scary. But it's going to bring you peace of mind, so instead you do something else. And by you, I mean we. We all do this. We've got to be really deliberate and intentional about the decisions we make in our business. Because the easy decisions are not the decisions that bring us peace of mind. You might want to write that one down. That could be worth coming to this whole event. The easy decisions don't lead to peace of mind. Peace of mind comes from the decisions that are difficult. So let's talk about what not having peace of mind does to you. And I'm choosing the word to you very, very intentionally. Think about the physical toll that it has on us when we don't have peace of mind in our life. We don't sleep well. The biology of our body changes. The cortisol levels go up. We retain fat. We don't get fully rested. We have more stress. Our blood pressure goes up, all from lack of peace of mind. Emotionally, we become less resilient when we don't have sleep. We become less resilient when we're under constant stress. We become less resilient when we don't have peace of mind. We become less emotionally resilient. Our decision-making suffers when we don't have peace of mind. Think about the decisions you make when you don't have peace of mind. Think about the decisions you make when you're in a state of disrest. Emotional disrest, mental disrest, confusion, frustration, anger, irritation. Those are never the decisions you wake up 10 years later and say, wow, I'm really glad I made that decision. Those are always the decisions you later on have to fix. So you're physically less capable you're emotionally less capable you're making decisions from a distressed uh, a distressed place without full mental faculties you're basically functioning on the level of a moron I'm serious I'm completely serious you're and when I say you, I mean we, we all, we all are, we are all, we, we, this can happen to any of us if we're not diligent, if we're not careful, myself included. There are times when we allow ourselves to lose our peace of mind and we wake up and we realize, we look around us and we realize I have basically been treating, I have basically been functioning like a moron. I'm so smart, I have all this education, I have all of this information available to me, and yet the quality of the decisions that I'm making is just plain freaking stupid. We make stupid decisions. Because we're not sleeping, because we're anxious, because we're uptight, because we have exhausted all of our emotional resilience and capacity. So what do you think it does to your business when you're operating in this state of mind? Think about it. Take inventory of it, right? You start and then you stop. And we can apply that to anything. You start and then you stop a marketing campaign. You start and then you stop training something. You start and then you stop uh, hiring protocol. You start and then you stop documenting your standards and your policies and your procedures. You start and then you stop uh, meeting with potential referral sources. Not a month has gone by since 1999 in my life Not one month has gone by since 1999 that I have not had materially the following conversation with at least one ostensibly smart lawyer who's acting like a moron. Goes like this. Those basic fundamentals of law firm management were working for me. Things were getting better. And so I stopped doing them. Why? Why would you stop doing what's working? And the answer is, I got stressed out, I got distracted, I got busy doing other things, I lost sight of the fundamentals, and I stopped. That's how this whole business started. This, this business actually started because I got bombarded by having that conversation. I started off... After I left the Florida Bar, I started off with the Law Office Management Assistance Services at the Florida Bar. Some of you know this. Some of you are new. You don't know this. At the tender age of 27 years old or something like that, 1999, August 24th, 1999, whatever age I was back then, I think I was 27, I shut down my law firm and I reported for duty as a small law practice management advisor with the Florida Bar's Law Office Management Assistance Service. And for the next almost four years, my life was very uh, intense. Let's just say that. I would spend about half the month in the office fielding calls from lawyers on every aspect of starting, marketing, managing, buying, selling a law firm. And I would field the call. In the beginning, I would field the call. And then I would go and sit with my, my boss and my mentor, who was probably knew more about the business of running a small law firm than anyone else then alive, then or since probably. And I would sit in his office, and he would basically teach me what the answer was and show me the research and the data and the case studies and help me think it through and help me come up with the right answer. And then I would get back on the phone and I'd call the person back and I'd say, I've done the research and here's what I think we should do. That was like about a year, my first year of working at the Florida Bar. That's all I did every single day. And when I wasn't doing that during the day, At night and on the weekends, I was like reading books and taking courses and going to seminars to learn about this stuff so that I could be self-sufficient. Then I would go out and I would be assigned to go to disciplinary consultations. This is where when a lawyer had been uh, found guilty of violating bar rules, And the disciplinary committee determined that the reason that the cause, the root cause, had to do with a failure in the business management, the management of the law firm, when that was found to be the root cause of the violation of the bar rules. In other words, the the violation of the bar rules was the effect, and then you trace the effect back to the root cause, and it's a failure in the management of the law firm. Failure in the marketing leads to bar grievances. Uh, and I don't mean because you violate the advertising rules. What I mean is because you turn the marketing on, then you turn the marketing off, then you turn the marketing on, then you turn the marketing off, then you turn the marketing on, then you turn the marketing off, and now your cash flow is a freaking roller coaster of insanity. And then the next crazy client who you know better than to take with a case that you really probably shouldn't accept walks in the door with cash in hand, and you're so desperate for revenue that you take the case, fast forward six or nine months, guess what happens? Bar grievance, right? Sales leads to bar grievances. Failure in the sales process leads to bar grievances. If you don't know how to sell, if you don't know what causes a sale and what prevents a sale, if you're not consciously aware of what's going on under the surface when you're meeting with a prospective client, You're out of control. You don't have control of that process. And that sets up a sequence of events, which leads to bar grievances. Because the client has the wrong expectations. You've got the wrong expectations. The client doesn't agree to abide by policies and systems and procedures. You don't charge enough. And so you set yourself up to not have enough money to really service the case or the matter the way it should be serviced. You don't set the client's expectations properly for what this case or matter is going to do for their life, and so halfway through they they start second guessing why do they hire you in the first place, and you end up having bar agreements. Can everyone see these connections? Yeah, but I, mean, I can go through all seven parts if you want me to. Failures in each of the seven main parts of the law firm, in the failures in each of the seven main parts of the management of the law firm cause bar grievances. And so for three years at the Florida bar, when lawyers had violated bar, bar bar rules and the disciplinary committee recognized that it was a failure of management because they didn't have a business plan because they didn't have a marketing strategy because they didn't have a sales plan because they didn't have any documented processes or systems or procedures, so everything was like, you know, a new, everything was like your first day at work, figuring it out over and over and over again until you have a bad day and you miss something, as opposed to relying on systems. Failures in staffing, hiring the wrong people, waiting too long to hire people, hiring people and then failing to properly train them and set them up for success... Failure to have any kind of systems or dashboards or metrics to hold people accountable. And so you've got you know, a crazy circus full of clowns going on in your firm. Failures in planning for the physical plant of your firm. And so your whole staff is frustrated and bogged down because you don't have the cash reserves to replace the equipment. And so for the last six months of life on the computers and the software and the copy machine and everything else, everyone's using antiquated junk. Which causes cash flow, which causes stress, which causes longer hours, which causes mistakes. Failures in control of the finances of the firm. So you end up waking up one day and realizing you've been making all these apologies to your kids and your family and your friends that you can't be there for them, you can't attend their after school activities, you can't be fully present because you've been working for people, oh, by the way, for free. These are the causes that lead to bar grievances. And when these causes were discovered in the bar grievances that were prosecuted by the Florida Bar, and they realized if we don't fix the root cause and we give this person his or her license back after their suspension, they're just going to have the same exact problem again. And that is why the Florida Bar in 1980 created the Law Office Management Assistance Service Program. And it is the first state in the, in the in the whole country, and we have a running dispute with Ian Doddington from Canada as to whether we're the first in the world or whether he's the first in the world to create a law office management assistance service, law office management assistance service program to prevent the problem so we can stop per, uh, prosecuting the effect. That was my life for four years, having five to six to 10 calls a day, five days a week, that's 25 a week, twice, typically about half the month, that's about 50 calls a month with lawyers complaining about effects of bad management. And here's the thing, law firms are really simple businesses to run. They're really, really simple businesses to run. I know some of you have spouses and significant others. Some of you are the spouses and significant others others of the lawyers in this room right now. And some of you are running construction companies and some of you are running HVAC companies and some of you are running delivery companies and some of you are running in-home repair companies and you're thinking to yourself, these people are fucking morons. (laughs) The law firm is so simple. It requires virtually no working capital to start a law firm. Tell that to someone who needs to buy a half a million dollars worth of equipment to start a restaurant. A law firm, you know, requires relatively few moving pieces. There's only seven main parts of a successful law firm, and each of those seven main parts all happen in an office under supervision. Try crying the blues to someone who's got to buy a fleet of trucks and hand the keys to those trucks to a bunch of strangers with the request, please don't drink during lunch before you drive the truck with my name on it to someone's house where you'll be unsupervised with their, with their, with their personal belongings. Yeah, law firms are real simple businesses to run, guys. Notwithstanding the fact that they don't teach us anything about this in law school. But then you add to that all of the the things that cause you to lose your peace of mind because no one's taught you about the marketing and no one's helped you with the sales and no one's helped you with the with the with the workflow processes, thinking through the workflow processes. No one's given you a simple system, a simple system, a proven process to reliably set your team up for success. No one's taught you this stuff, so you don't have peace of mind, which causes you to lose sleep, which causes you to have anxiety, which causes you to start initiatives and then stop initiatives and start initiatives and then stop initiatives, which causes you to change directions. You know, like 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 uh, you know that dog in up uh, squirrel. You know, going after different things. You lose momentum. You have indecision you're full of doubt, you're full of fear, you're full of anxiety. Every decision is like this mountain. The decisions become very painful when you're making them from that state, don't they? And so when they're painful, you avoid them. And when you avoid them, they get worse. So think about what it can do for your business when you actually give yourself peace of mind, right? Because you don't get peace of mind unless you think of get in the active phrase like, I'm going to go get that, right? You get peace of mind by going after it and grabbing hold of it. That's how you get peace of mind. No one gives you peace of mind. You give it to yourself, I'm just going to make this as clear as I can. If you don't have a CEO helping you run your law firm, you're a fucking moron. I'm serious. Would you expect anyone to be able to run a successful business without someone making sure that there's a business plan and a marketing plan and holding the decision makers accountable for their decisions and helping them make better decisions so they can pull them out of the, you know, out out of the forest so they can see that there's a forest and not a bunch of trees? No. Every one of you violate your own good advice that you give to your clients, don't you? You tell your client, I mean, you... You you cross-examine the shit out of people, some of you, for doing the exact same stuff that you do in your own business. And by you, I mean we, because I do that all the time too. That's why I have a CEO. That's why I have a coach. That's why I have outside advisors, just like we're your outside advisors. So think about what it can do for your business if you are the only lawyer in your city or maybe the only lawyer in your practice area. Or maybe there are other lawyers in your practice area, but you're the only lawyer in your city with your practice area who has your unique point of view, who's actually making business decisions, who's making marketing decisions with peace of mind, who's making staffing decisions with peace of mind, who's making hiring and firing decisions, when, who, why, to hire, fire, train, with peace of mind. Who's making decisions about your about your investments in the physical plant with peace of mind? Think about what a huge competitive advantage that could give your business. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for more lessons from the ball.